2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And while you're turning there, Pastor Mutchler went through the first five words last week. And this week I'm going to go for the, through the first five verses, okay? And uh, we'll get through some verses tonight. But I really enjoyed uh, learning more about Paul, Silas, and Timothy and what a blessing that was. And looking forward to getting in a little bit more of the scripture tonight. By the way, pray for Pastor and Ms. Vicki. Uh, they fly back, I believe, tomorrow from Pittsburgh. So pray that God will give safety there. And uh, that will be great. Uh, if you could stand to your feet, we'll read these first few verses. Uh, pray, and then you can be seated uh, this evening. The Bible says, Paul and Silvanius and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. And let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. It certainly is good. Uh, to be in your house tonight. We realize that we are nothing, and without you, we can do nothing. And we are so humbled and honored that you, if we are a child of God, that you've saved us, and that you have uh, uh, begun a work in us. Uh, thank you for the great morning you gave us this morning, and those who accepted Christ as their Savior. When I talked to one of the gentlemen who did, and he was so excited to have Jesus in his heart. I pray that you'll be with uh, each and everything that happens tonight, the preaching here, uh, the Little Bear Bible Club. Lord, thank you for all those who were so busy today uh, serving you. Lord, many of these people worked so hard last week, put in 50, 60, maybe 70, 80 hours plus, and uh, they, they, they're tired, but it's a good tired. They, they know they're giving their best for you. And thank you for what you did for us today. May you continue to continue to do the work in our hearts Lord, I come to you humbly, realizing I am nothing, Lord, and I need your help. I pray that you'll help me get out of the way and you'll just flow through me. May your word be preached as you would have it preached tonight. May our ears be attentive, may we learn, and may you help us, Lord. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I read a story this week about a man who had been suffering from constant headaches. Finally, he went to go see his doctor, and he told the doctor, he says, I don't know why I keep getting these terrible headaches, he lamented. Before the doctor could say a word, he says, I don't drink like so many other people do. I don't smoke like other people do. I don't run around at night like so many other people do. I don't even overeat like other people do. I don't. The doctor stopped him. And at this point, he, he said, tell me. He says, the pain you complain of, is it a sharp shooting pain? Yes, the man answered. And does it hurt here and here and here? Yes, the man replied, hopefully. That's it exactly. And he was eagerly anticipating what the doctor was going to tell him that happened. And he said, it's simple, really, with his diagnosis. Your problem is that you have your halo on too tight. <laughs> and you know, oftentimes in the Christian walk, we can think we've arrived. And this particular church... Uh, was doing pretty well. In fact, the first few verses, Paul really gushes about them, and, and, and rightfully so. They are an amazing church. 
But if you take the first five verses out of the book, most of it is actually more of a reprimand to this church. And we'll see as time goes on. And not long after the first letter to the church of Thessalonica, Paul got a report of several things that had actually gotten worse in the church of Thessalonica, not better. Persecution had intensified. The church had become confused about the return of Jesus. And Paul decided, I need to write to these dear people. And so he writes, first of all, uh, 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 about the persecution. And then this church also became confused about the return of Jesus. And someone or somebody or had circulated a letter from quote-unquote Paul or said, Paul said, that the rapture had occurred. And because of that, they were confused. They were bewildered. They had become shaken and disturbed. They had begun to shirk from their responsibilities. So Paul writes a letter of comfort in spite of persecution. He writes a letter of clarity about the day of the Lord. And he writes a letter to challenge those who are idle. So Paul starts off with a praise of thanksgiving. A thanksgiving prayer to give them affirmation and the persecution they were persevering through. And he tells them, if you can persevere through affliction, it will develop your maturity. And I really believe that is why this church became such a great church, because persecution helped it mature quicker than most churches would. And so tonight I want to just go through a few of these verses and give you uh, four quick points. And I do believe I will get you out a little early tonight. And so we'll see how it goes. Number one, if you will, we see the structured church, a structured church. What causes a church to be able to face the persecution and continue to persevere through affliction? What causes a church to be able to do that? What causes an individual? Of course, the church is made up of individual people who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so, what causes a church to be able to face a persecution? Well, first of all, we see a structured church. And we see that in verse number one. I won't take time to break down these names. Pastor did a fabulous job last week. But we see Paul, Silvanius, and Timotheus. And I want us to notice, first of all, there is preachers of the word. Preachers of the word. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, we won't turn there, but Paul, as his manner was, went into the synagogue and he preached the word of God. And the Bible says he reasoned. The uh, the Greek word there is our word dialogue. He conversed with them. He dialogued with them. I've preached this before, so it'll be a little bit of a review as far as reason, opening, explaining, teaching about Christ. And then the Bible says alleging, which means to demonstrate. And the Greek root root word is our word persuade. So he dialogued with them, he taught the gospel, the scriptures, and then he persuaded them to come to Christ. And we're thankful as he persuaded them with the scriptures, he says, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, had to suffer, risen again from the dead, whom I preach unto you as Christ, and that Jesus is our Messiah. And he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, much like probably 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Of course, he is writing to the church of Thessalonica, from most likely Corinth, and he writes there in 15 verse 1, Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again. And that's what Paul preached when he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many believed, and some of those where he became great preachers, if you will, great great partners of Paul. We have Jason, Aristarchus, Secundus, and Gaius. And in Acts 20 verse 4, it mentions each of those names, and Paul says, they were my fellow prisoners, and fellow laborers. So what caused this church to be structured? 
What caused it to be strong? It started off with preachers of the word and teachers of the word. And may I say here at Grandview Baptist Church, may we continue to have a church that stays strong on the preaching of God's word. I'm thankful for pastor kind of setting the precedent. Year, uh, several years ago, I started preaching verse by verse through the Word of God and expository. There's times we'll do topical, back and forth. But as a whole, we like to do expository because I enjoy preaching the Word of God. I don't want to preach my opinions, what I think. I want to get to the Bible, to the Word of God and what it says. And we see tonight that the teachers also did that. And because of that, it helped this church become strong in the face of persecution. But I not only see the, the, the preachers of the word, but I want to see, second of all, the people of the word. The Bible says there, unto the church of the Thessalonians. They were people who didn't just hear the word of God, they received the word of God. The story is told about a grandmother who told her granddaughter, tomorrow we're going to Sunday school. The granddaughter says, I don't like Sunday school. The grandmother said, we need to learn more about God. The granddaughter said, I learned about him last week. The grandmother says, I've been going to church all my life and I haven't learned enough. The granddaughter replied, well, maybe you weren't paying attention. (laughs) Now that granddaughter needs to learn that you can go to church all your life and pay attention all your life and you still have more to learn about the word of God. But we see people of the word. The Bible says, unto the church of Thessalonians. Not the church at Thessalonica. It wasn't a building. It was a group of people, a called out assembly. I'm thankful if something happened tomorrow to our church building, which I hope it doesn't. But if something happened tomorrow, we can still be Grandview Baptist Church just meeting somewhere else. I'm thankful tonight that not only they had preachers of the word, but they also had people of the word. And what a blessing that Grandview Baptist Church is a group of people of the word of God. Today, there was countless Sunday school teachers. In fact, when we have our teachers meeting down, we almost pack out the Abundant Life classroom. There's so many teachers and workers. What does that mean? That means a lot of people are teaching the Word of God to all the people that come. I'm thankful tonight, not only there's preachers of the Word, teachers of the Word, but there's people of the Word of God who receive the Word of God inside them. Acts 17 again, it says, Some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. They were devout Greeks. A uh, 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 great multitude, the chief woman, not a few, they consorted, they joined Paul, and there was a great multitude. And not only were there preachers of the word, and not only was there people of the word, but I want us to see the person of the word. Look at verse number one again, the Bible says, uh, And God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the ultimate foundation building block that helps a church remain strong in persecution? Well, the preaching of God's word is wonderful. The people of God's word is wonderful, but there's no greater foundation than the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see this church was founded on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus asked Peter and disciples, he said there, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto this day, unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
Acts 4.11, the Bible says, This is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And I'm thankful tonight that Jesus Christ is a cornerstone of the church. He gave himself for the church. He loved it so much that he was willing to die on the cross and give himself for it. I'm thankful tonight that our church is not just has the preaching of God's word, not just has people of the word, but it's founded on the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. So we see first tonight a structured church. But second of all, I want us to see a stirred church, a stirred church. Because this church was saved, truly saved, Jesus' grace and peace was able to flow through to them. And I'm thankful tonight, not just for salvation, but that we have the undeserved grace and the unprecedented peace of Jesus Christ in our life. The Bible goes on to say there, uh, 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 grace uh, unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, the undeserved favor and blessing of God. Peace, assured confidence, secure in the love and care of God. If you remember, the Greeks thrived on deep teaching. They loved Paul because Paul was a deep teacher. And they were, a, they were used to polyistic, wealthy teachers, polytheist teachers who would come and they would teach about all these different gods. They had the god of Zeus. He was the god of the sky, the god of Poseidon, the god of the sea, the god of Hades, the god of the dead or the afterlife. And there was an unrelenting grip that Hades had on them. They believed in Hades that either you had two options. You would go to Hades and either be an average life of misery. If you were good enough, you might have an average life. That's something to look forward to. When I die, I'm either going to have a life of misery or a life of averageness. So these Greeks were looking for something more. And when Paul came and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were open to it because the Jewish leaders talked about a loving God, a great God, but a God that so much was attached to it, they didn't do all these things. And the, Jews says, or the Greek says, wait a minute here. I, I, I love the Jewish God, but I don't like all the things that are tacked onto it. I definitely don't like, like all of our gods. So what is the truth? And they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul, who was a humble teacher, taught of one God, the true God, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Aren't you glad this evening when you gave your life to Christ? Jesus came and wanted us to abide with him and he wanted to abide in us through the Holy Spirit. So we see tonight that, that, that this was an unprecedented peace that passed under all understanding. Can you imagine knowing, knowing there had to be a true God, but hearing about all this other stuff and finally receiving the truth and it changed everything? Maybe some of you tonight would testify and you don't have to, but maybe in your heart, you could say, I remember the day where I was confused, bewildered, and I had no hope. And then I heard about Jesus. And it changed my life completely. And how the peace that passes understanding came into our life. The Bible says in John 16, verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. And the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we see, first of all, tonight, a structured church. Second of all, tonight, we see a stirred church. Now, if you felt like that was a little bit of review, it was. Because six months ago, I preached similar text. Because 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 1 is the same as 1, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 and 2. 
How many remember that? One of you. Thank you. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. So we see tonight a structured church, and that's why I shared with it again, review. But, but we, we're going through this verse by verse. We see a structured church. We see a stirred church. But let's get, let's get a little deeper tonight. Number three, I want us to see a succeeding church. A succeeding church. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Justin, how, how is it succeeding? Well, if you look at verse number three, by the way, it, this verse is different. It's similar, very similar to 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. In fact, I will read this verse and then I'll read 1 verse 3 in just a second. The Bible says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Now, if you read chapter 1, And verse number three, the Bible says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Oh, I'm reading 2 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I was reading the wrong thing on the screen. Okay, here we go. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. What's the difference? Well, both of them congratulate them on their faith, their their, their love, and their hope. But in 2 Thessalonians, it, it has another couple words. It says exceedingly and aboundeth. What's happening with this church? Before Paul was bragging on them how great their faith, their love, and their hope was. But now he's saying, hey, it's a whole nother level now. It, it, it continues to grow. And may I just say tonight, men, husbands, hey, we, ne- we never arrive when it comes to loving our wives. Wives, we never arrive when it comes to loving our husbands. We never arrive when it comes to our faith. Our faith is strong. Yeah, guess what? God wants to make it stronger. Our hope is strong. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Well, guess what? You're going to be challenged and your hope's going to grow, grow, stretch a little bit. But we see this church was a church that thrived in these areas. They were exceedingly growing. They were abounding. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. I see tonight, first of all, a succeeding church that was shown by exceeding growth, exceeded growth. The Bible says in verse number three, we are bound. That word in the Greek is we owe it as a debt. Literally, Paul, Silas, and Timothy say, hey, we owe it as a debt to not only share what God's doing, but we need to thank God for your exceedingness and your faith, love, and hope, and your love that is abounding. You say, why in the world do they need to thank God? Well, it's their duty. Why? Well, if you look at 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 12, we see that Paul prayed that they might increase and abound in love. Isn't it wonderful when you pray for the growth of a dear brother or sister in Christ or maybe a young disciple or a new convert and God answers their prayer and their faith starts to grow? And Paul's saying, hey, we are bound to thank God that, hey, we prayed for this and he did it. We see not only was their duty to pray and to thank God, but it was exceedingly. That word exceedingly means, is in the Greek, is hyper, or hyper, our word hyper. It was excessive. They were thanking God for hyper-Christians. No, that's not what it means. It means, ex- it means exceeding, it means excessive. Also, they were over-the-top Christians, like borderline annoying. No, 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 no. It means their Christian walk was such to the point where it was growing and flourishing so well, they were way ahead of where they should have been. Have you ever maybe gone to the doctor and the doctor says, your child is in the 98th percentile of all the kids? 
That's right. Yes. Thank you very much. You know, it's exciting. But can you imagine a Christian being far ahead of where most ever were just because they had a hunger for God's word? The persecution caused them to thrive. The persecution caused them to grow closer to the Lord. And they were doing so well. Paul says, hey, we, we don't know what else to do but just thank God for it because that was the work of God. It was, it, was, it was God. It had to be God. So we see it was exceeded growth. It was a growing love, the Bible says. It was a persevering hope. In other words, they had accepted the challenges of persecutions and afflictions and kept their hope alive. And Paul was just practicing what they preach and everything give thanks in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, Paul prays, The Lord make you to abound in love. Isn't it interesting when Paul says, Hey, you need to abound in love. And guess what? They did. They, they abounded in love. They actually did what they were taught. 1 Thessalonians 4.10, that you increase more and more. I see, first of all, succeeding church by exceeded growth. Exceeded growth. My challenge to us tonight is, is everybody grows at different paces, but may we all have a true hunger for God and to get closer to Him. May we decide tonight that, hey, God, let's not let this church of Thessalonica show us up. I, 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 give me that same hunger they had. Give me that same strong faith they had. And by the way, the way it comes is not always fun. Persecution. But they decided they were going to grow closer to their Lord and Savior. But not only by exceeded growth, but I see by enduring growth. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 4, So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God. For your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Paul says, hey, as I mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, that, that you, you, your, your faith was made known all throughout Macedonia. He says, I have used you as an example, uh, the, the churches in Macedonia, for your giving, your generosity, for your sounding of your faith. Hey, keep on keeping on because people are watching you. Don't you love it when you realize people are watching you and it's like, oh man i got to always do right, not just because I love the Lord, but people are watching me. And Paul says, hey, hey, I'm bragging on you to other churches. Now, don't let that get to your head. But I've told other churches that, hey, you're way above. You're way ahead. This is who they should aspire to be. There is something about Macedonia. It's interesting how it all came about. If you remember the story... Paul was in Asia and he'd gone as far as he could to Troas and he didn't know where to go. And everywhere he went, God said, no, not here, not here. And he had gotten to the point where he thought, Lord, where do you want us to go? And that night he received a vision from Macedonia that said, hey, will you come and help us? And just a few, next day or two later, they straightway went to Philippi, started a church. They went to Macedonia and started a church and God started blessing Berea. These great, strong churches. Why? There's something about Macedonia. And if you look up the word Macedonia, it's an interesting study. How many times Paul alludes to it and say, the churches, they were, they, they, they were wonderful, they were great, and God was blessing that region. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 15, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things may ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him give glory to God. By the way, isn't it wonderful that when we do, when we serve the Lord, we're giving him glory. And so we see tonight an enduring growth. 
First Thessalonians 2, verse 19, we see, For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? What does the Bible say in verse number 4? Your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulation that ye endure. We see a persevering hope. James 5, verse 11, helps encourage us in this area. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. And ye have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. When you endure, you see the Lord's tender mercy in your life. Hebrews eleven twenty five, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. We see tonight a church that could face persecution because they were structured on the preaching of God's word, the teaching of God's word. The people received the word of God and God started working in their life. We see that founded on the person of Jesus Christ, a person of God, Jesus Christ. We see it was a stirred church because they were saved. They received the grace and the peace from God and it started transforming their life. And then, of course, we just saw a succeeding church by exceeding growth. Their faith, their hope, and their love abounded. It was, it was growing, their enduring growth, and it happened because of persecution. Last of all, I want us to see number four, a steadfast church, a steadfast church. Steadfast church, verse number five. The Bible says, which is a manifest token. That word manifest token token in the Greek is indigma. It's proof, evidence of God's righteous judgment. Now we look at that as thinking, oh man, God's judging this church. No, there's different forms of judgment. And in this particular case, this word judgment is crisis. It literally means a purifying, a purging. So they could be worthy of the kingdom. Paul says, hey, you weren't being judged because of your wrongdoing. You were being judged because you were being purged and purified. And oftentimes we can look at judgment and say, God is mad at me. No, no, maybe God's just purifying you and God is purging you for the, for the kingdom, for what he has for you to do. And this church was responding well to that crisis, if you will. Look at verse number 11. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. You know, Paul says, hey, you're proof. You're, you're proof. <laughs> you're proof that you're, the purging of God and his righteous judgment is purging you and purifying you for the, for the task he has for you. And right now it's dealing with persecution, but you continue faithfully on. So I see a church tonight who was structured, who was stirred, who was steadfast, a succeeding church. I kind of have this last illustration, a man named Clint Courtney. If you're a baseball fan, perhaps you've heard of him. He never did make it to Cooperstown, if you will. In fact, he didn't even make it close to the Baseball Hall of Fame. He never made it on a baseball card. It was in the 1950s. He was a catcher for the Baltimore Orioles. His nickname was Scrap Iron. Could you imagine? My nickname Scrap Iron. Now, why was it called that? Because he was a hard-weathered tough. Old Scrap broke no records, only bones. He had little power or speed on the base paths. And as for grace and style, he made the easiest play look rather difficult. Probably like myself, okay. But armed with mitt and mask, Scrap Iron never flinched from any challenge. 
Batters often miss the ball and caught his shin. Foul balls would often nip off his elbows. And runners fiercely would plow into him, spikes first, as he defended home plate. And though often doubled over in agony and flattened in a heap of dust, Clint Courtney never quit. Invariably, he'd slowly get up, shake off the dust, punch the pocket of his mitt once or twice, and nod to his pitcher to throw another one. The game would go on and Courtney with it, scarred, bruised, clutching his arm in pain, but determined to continue. Some made fun of him, called him a, 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 someone who just was, 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 was just a glutton for punishment. But others reminded him, remember him as a true champion because he never quit. May I encourage you tonight, maybe you feel a little bit like scrap iron. <laughs> you don't feel very talented. You don't feel good at anything. But you feel like you've had about everything hit you. But what made Scrap Iron a champion? He just kept getting on and keep on, kept on playing the game. And oftentimes we look at a church of Thessalonica and say, man, I, we could never be that church. <laughs> we could never be that steadfast. We could never be that succeeding. You know, we could never be that structured. We could never be that stirred. But I want to encourage you tonight, if you'll be like this man who just one day at a time Stand up and get in the Lord's army and say, Lord, I'm ready for another day to serve you. I'm going to get in my word today, your word today. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. And these decisions that come my way, I'm going to decide to just keep putting you first. Just keep on going forward. It reminds me of a song we used to sing years ago. And we may even sing here, I don't know. But it's day by day. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day the Lord is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is counselor and power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As thy days, thy strength shall be a measure. This the pledge to me he made. Then the last verse is amazing. Help me then in every tribulation so I so to trust thy promises, O Lord. That I lose not faith, sweet consolation offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting Ere to take, as from a father's hand, one by one, the days a moment fleeting, till with Christ the Lord I stand. Tonight we see a church that was worth bragging about. But may I say, it did not mean it arrived. It was structure. It was founded on the word of God, the preaching of God's word. The people received the word. It was founded on the person, the word Jesus Christ. It was a stirred church. It had undeserved grace and unprecedented peace. Man, it was a succeeding church. It had exceeded growth. It, it had enduring growth. And it was a steadfast church. But it's interesting that when you study this book out as we will, we'll see that they needed the perspective and the encouragement to persevere. The furnace of persecution, the seeds of prophetic error, and the pitfalls, pitfalls in practical living. 
And Paul's letter is going to help this church assist to make sense of their suffering, gain stability in doctrinal uncertainty, and become steadfast in principles of responsible living. So I hope you'll look forward to the rest of the study. And maybe tonight you'll be saying, what's this apply to me tonight? Well, I hope that we'll remain a church that is preachers of the word, teachers of the word. And I hope we'll be, continue to be people of the word. And may you make the word of God a big part of your life. And may we always stay centered on our foundation, Jesus Christ. May we never lose focus of him. May we continue to enjoy the grace of God's work in our life, the peace that he brings upon us. But may we be a succeeding church and may our love, faith, and hope continue to abound. And may we remain steadfast in the face of persecution. Because one day, if it's not already in your life, we'll come. And may we, day by day, keep trusting our Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. I don't know maybe how God's working on your heart. But maybe you're here and you do not know Christ as your personal Savior. Jesus would love nothing more than a relationship with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe there would be someone that would say, you know, Pastor Justin, I do not know for sure I'm going to heaven. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, and the message about the Thessalonians, I mean, that's all great and all, but I don't even have a relationship with God. Let me encourage you to give your life to Christ. He would love nothing more than to become your Heavenly Father. Maybe there's someone here tonight that, that, that you, the Word of God hasn't been as important maybe in your life. Or maybe Jesus Christ was, is the cornerstone, but it's, it's, He's not the focus as it once was. Maybe I encourage you to get closer to the Lord tonight. Maybe, maybe you're not stirred by the grace of God anymore. May you never forget what Jesus Christ did for you and what He continues to do in your life. If you're not the man or woman you used to be, Thank God for His grace. Thank God for His peace that passes all understanding. May we continue to be stirred by the grace and peace of God. And may we be a church that succeeds. May we abound in love, faith, and hope. And may we a church that remains steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for loving us. Lord, the, 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 the altar is open, Lord. The invitation is simple. May we just keep doing, Lord, what I believe has been doing often here at this church. May we continue to keep on pushing forward. And may we remain structured on you, your word, or your preaching. May we remain stirred, Lord, by your grace and peace. May we continue to succeed and abound with, you, uh, uh, with your faith, love, and hope. And may we continue to remain steadfast, Lord, in the midst of persecution. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano's going to play. And you do as God would have you do tonight. Maybe the Lord's pricked your heart, or maybe you'd like to pray there in your pew. Let me encourage you to take a moment or two and just spend some time with God as He works in your life. May we just be reminded, as I believe a lot of these things is very evident in our church, but may we be reminded that this stuff just doesn't happen by accident. It takes work, it takes effort, it takes time with God. May we continue to allow him to stir in our hearts and continue to allow us to grow closer to him in the days, weeks, and months ahead. Let me encourage you to do as God would have you do tonight. Maybe you'd like to follow the Lord in baptism. Maybe you'd like to join the church or maybe you'd like one of the pastors to pray for you. That's what they're here for. As God leads you in your heart, let me encourage you to just spend a minute or two 
talking with him tonight. we love you. Thank you for loving us. You sure are a great God. Thank you for your people, your church. Thank you for their faithfulness. I hope they know that, Lord, we appreciate them being here. I know they didn't come for us. They came for you. Lord, I pray that they understand, Lord, we appreciate that, their faithfulness. I pray that we'll hit the week coming this week and, and just grow closer to you, and may you use us in a powerful way. May we impact more people, more lives for your cause. I pray that you'll be with uh, Lord, the school week as it starts, I pray that you'll be with those who may be dealing with a burden, dealing with a difficult issue. pray you help them touch their bodies. And I just pray that you'll do something great, Lord. Continue to do something great through this great church. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could be seated, we're going to show the video, and then we'll be dismissed tonight. paintball teen activity tomorrow for teens 6th through 12th grade. The activity will be held at Camp Dakota in Scott Mills and the cost is $25 per teenager. The bus will be leaving the church at 12.30pm and will return at 4pm. Every teenager must have a permission form signed by their parent, so be sure to pick one up at the welcome desk. Awana will be starting back up on Wednesday, September 7th. Every week, the children will get to play games and get prizes for completing workbooks and scripture memory. Throughout the year, there are fun-themed nights where the kids can dress up according to the theme. Awana is for children 2 years old through 5th grade, and there is an annual club fee of $40 or $20 if the child already has a uniform. If you might be interested in helping in Awana, please sign up at the welcome desk. Don't miss out on this special Awana parents meeting that happens every Wednesday during Awana. Child care is provided, so come be a part of a special time of fellowship, games, and a lesson from Pastor Justin. Don't miss the special Sunday morning service next week on September 4th, where we will hear Pastor Justin Lehman share his vision with us. Church members, plan to join us on Sunday morning, September 11th, where we will vote to elect Justin Lehman as the next pastor of Grandview Baptist Church. Mark your calendars for events coming up in the next few months. Grandview's 38th anniversary service on September 11th, Tailgate Sunday on September 25th, Pumpkin Sunday on October 2nd, and Trunk or Treat on October 30th. Did you know that you can help support Grandview by shopping at Fred Meyer and on Amazon? To set up community rewards on the Fred Meyer app, simply log into your account from your phone or computer. Click on the menu icon in the top right corner of your screen. Then, locate the Rewards tab. 
Now select Community Rewards. From there, you can search for Grandview Baptist Church and press Enroll. That's it. Now every time you use your Fred Meyer card, the company will donate money to Grandview Baptist Church. To sign up on Amazon, click on the menu icon in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. Now click on the Settings drop-down menu and select Amazon Smile. Search for Grandview Baptist Church and then select our church in Beaver Creek from the west. Now, every purchase you make will give back to supporting the work of Christ in our area. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the connection card in the pew in front of you and bring it to the guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Okay. Have a great week. God bless you. You are dismissed.